0: Good morning. We've been going through uh, the book of Romans and we've come to a very practical uh, chapter in chapter 12. Uh, chapters 1 through 11, um, Paul laid a very solid foundation for us in those chapters and just showed us uh, the various ways and how complete and secure our salvation is. Um, a lot of just solid foundational doctrine. Uh, for the Christian life, and in chapters 12 through 15, we learn just very, very practical um, ways of how to live our lives now. Um, And in our section today in chapter 12, verses uh, 9 through 21, uh, we learn very, very practical uh, and straightforward uh, instructions on how to live the personal life of a Christian um, through different relationships and just your own, um, like dealing with your own beliefs and dealing with your own interactions with friends and family and people that you don't get along with necessarily. Um, and when you when you recognize in the previous chapters uh, one through eleven what Christ did for you, it's not a hard thing to want to live these things out because when you realize what He did for you you want to then show that same love to other people and uh, emulate uh, him like that. The best way I can think to visualize um, this, like to illustrate what we're talking about this morning, uh, I have a picture I want to show of an onion. Um, And you could think of this this section like a, a circle or an onion. The very center of it would be you Um, and you could call it um, the individual or the personal believer. Um, And then as the section goes on, it adds another layer of complexity and it uh, adds people around you that are believers that you interact with um, on a regular basis. But then as he goes on throughout the chapter, he then points back to the individual on how he should interact uh, or things he does personally. Uh, And then it expands a little bit more uh, and adds another layer on how you should behave with uh, anyone really in general, um, especially if those people aren't kind to you. And then it adds an even more complex layer on dealing with people who actually hate you uh, or who would consider uh, you to be their enemy. Uh, But I like this picture uh, because it shows a little cute heart at the beginning of it. And the first verse of this section talks about uh, love. And really, if you see that theme, it really just flows through the entire section. Uh, it doesn't say love throughout all of it, but you can see uh, because of the things you're not doing, to, when you could do those things the way you want to respond, uh, you're, you're instead showing love. You see that love is really the driving force of this passage. Um, and that's really how Jesus lived his life. When Jesus called his disciples and he said, follow me, Uh, They followed him, and they learned uh, on a daily basis his example, um, and they learned how he loved people, how he showed um, that to other people through his heart and his actions. And so, uh, when we as Christians emulate uh, or imitate Christ, uh, people can see that connection, and they can see, wow, you must be a Christian, you must be somebody that follows Christ, Uh, because of the actions that you're taking, you seem different. And they want to know what's different about you and why you do that. Uh, Being a Christian and living your life uh, like Christ, it means behaving in a way that's different than the world. Uh, It's changing the way that you think, how you communicate and interact with people. Um, And if you're wondering, is there... Uh, a detailed instruction on how I should live my life, what actions I should take as a Christian to be different. This is a very, very practical, I mean all chapters 12, 13, 14, and 15 are very practical, but this one is uh, specifically practical with relationships. Um, This uh, this passage is very practical on application, so there's not a whole lot of explaining that needs to be done. It's very straightforward, but I will give some examples and illustrations to help uh, help it stick a little bit. Um, and as you read uh, through this passage with uh, with us, if there's anything that sticks out to you, um, take note of it uh, and write it down. Look at it later. Um, in some areas, you might see that you're doing really well, and that's really good. Um, And that means that you've been listening to the Holy Spirit's conviction in your life and you've been making changes to uh, live like Christ. And if there's areas that uh, you hear in the back of your mind, something that maybe I should work on that, that's something to write down and uh, take note of. Uh, So we can read our passage this morning. It's Romans 12, uh, verses 9 through 21. Romans 12, 9 through 21, it says, Let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice, and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. So this, this morning, we're really learning um, in this passage how to behave like a Christian should behave, how to walk like, cross, uh, like Christ uh, walked and live how he lived and interact with people and the, in those kind of relationships how he did. So our first verse it goes back to verse 9. It says, let love be without hypocrisy. In this illustration, you know, the layers that we were talking about of the personal life. Um, The first layer talks about the personal beliefs and your actions that you have as a Christian. So it all begins with having a sincere love for others, a love that's without hypocrisy. When you start here, it's going to permeate everything else, all the other layers of your life and relationships with other people for the better. He says to love without hypocrisy, and that just means don't pretend to love people, but really genuinely love them. Um, Have a sincere uh, love for people of God and the love for those that are lost. This is how Jesus treated people who uh, he interacted with. And for example, after washing his disciples' feet, including Judas, he gave them this commandment, In uh, John 13, it says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So to to follow Christ and love the way he did, it means um, reaching out to those um, who are in need and fulfilling their needs. For example, Christ saw our greatest need as sinners, and he reached out and genuinely loved us, and uh, Christ died on the cross on, on our behalf um, so that we could have a relationship with him. So it's not too difficult to ask that when we see somebody that's hurting or in pain or lonely or afraid that we should just reach out to them in genuine love and Show them compassion in a sincere way. Um, So you could ask yourself this morning uh, something to ponder is, do I show love that's without hypocrisy? And if not, um, how can I start showing that kind of love to others today? Um, Something to take note of and maybe come back to. Verse 9 continues, and it says still talking about the personal beliefs and attitudes of the Christian, abhor what is evil. So it's starting, love people, hate evil, and then the next part says, cling to what is good. So love people, hate the bad, love the good. Um, Psalm 34, 14 says, depart from evil and do it. Seek peace and pursue it. Earlier in this chapter, uh, verses one and two of chapter twelve, we learned, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. So don't associate with anything in the world that's evil. Um, Things of the world are they're bad and they're gonna corrupt your mind and they're gonna pollute it. If you start associating with the world and hanging out with the world and what they like more, you're gonna become more like them. It says, abhor what is evil. Um, if you love God, your neighbor, and even your enemies, then by default, you're going to hate sin, and you're going to hate anything that's evil because it gets in the way of that genuine love. Um, So you could ask yourself this morning, do you you hate it when people take the name of the Lord in vain? Do you hate it uh, when there's injustice in the world and people get away with it? We can go on and on about all the different types of evil. Um, do you tolerate it or do you, do you hate it like uh, we should? Uh, don't be like the, the rest of the world and tolerate it and be saying, well, it's okay because uh, everyone else calls evil good. Uh, verse 9 continues and says, Cling to what is good. If we hate what's evil, then we should love the good things that the Lord loves. Philippians 4, 8 talks about how our mind should think. Uh, It says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. And really, we could... Leave it as simple as just stay in the word of, uh, of God and keep holding to the truth that's in there. Um, and that, if you, if you hate the evil and you love the good that's in the word, um, you'll be off to a good start. Uh, so that's uh, the, the first part of the relationships. That's just the personal believer. Uh, verse 10 continues and expands the layer a little bit to reach out to other uh, believers. It says in verse 10, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. So, it, uh, Jesus said to his disciples um, when he was washing the feet, uh, he's commanding them to love one another in the way that he did uh, love them. And here, Paul kind of plays off on that, and when he says to uh, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, what is, if you look at it more deeply, he's really saying be lovingly loving, love each other in a loving way um, to people that you love, essentially. Um, And he's describing a family type of love, where it's warm and affectionate towards one another. And I think Many of you can relate to this if you've ever gone somewhere strange, you meet people you don't know, and then you find out that that person that you have nothing in common with is a believer, all of a sudden, this person that you didn't know anything about is suddenly your best friend, and you have hours and hours of conversation you could talk to them about. And that's the kind of brotherly love that we're talking about, where it's an instant connection with people that love the Lord. They put Him first in their life, and it's... it's amazing to, to be around people like that um, and if you've experienced that then you've experienced brotherly love and but it's a it's a two-way transaction a relationship is giving love and receiving love as well so uh, says to I mean basically keep it up if uh, keep your end of the relationship up and Continue loving people in that way that you want to be loved uh, when you're around believers. This kind of uh, love is it's pure and affectionate, tender and kind and caring to other believers. And verse 10 continues and it says, In honor, give preference to one another. Here the thought leads off of the last one. If you sincerely love other uh, believers then give them honor and humbly view them as a more important person than yourself. Philippians 2, uh, verse 3, talks about the example that Christ had, how he humbled himself, how he put us before his own needs. Um, and it tells us, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. We should be very quick to see other people's needs and put their needs first. We should be very quick to give other people honor. We should be very quick to give them love and very quick to show them mercy and compassion. Um, and verse 11 continues here, and it says, Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Everybody loves a good worker, Um I think they stand out at the workplace, and if you, if you know people that are good workers, um, I'm sure the boss loves them. We should be in our service to the Lord, um, not, lagging, not, not lacking in zeal or, um, or enthusiasm, uh, not slow, but we should be always in a hurry to want to do the Lord's work, um, not being lazy or um, slacking off, uh, but working hard to serve the Lord enthusiastically. Um, really, this verse describes somebody that enthusiastically wants to serve the Lord with all their heart. Um, and I think Paul is a great example of somebody who's a hard worker in this uh, area. He, um, he goes on for quite a while explaining the trials and tribulations he's been to continue preaching the Word. Um, but he talks about in Colossians 1 how he labors and strives to to preach the word and share it with other people. He's not sitting around, but he's making an active effort to to use his gifts. Uh, We see in verse 12, it continues uh, with the exhortations, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. This verse here encourages the believer to be like a uh, firmly planted tree with roots that go, uh, that spread out deep and uh, give it a firm foundation in difficulties. We're called to not only remember the hope that we uh, have from God, but to also be joyful because of the hope that we have. Life is difficult and it can beat you down uh, day after day and discourage you with its different trials. Um, But when you remember the hope that you have and the great promises that God has in store for you and the hope of glory, doesn't it make you excited? Um, It says to rejoice in hope. Jesus reminds us, um, rejoice because your names are written in heaven. When you remember your hope that you have, it helps you to persevere through the pressure of trials and tribulations. And hopefully, it causes you to uh, faithfully turn to God in prayer to help you through those difficulties and remain steadfast in that prayer. And Jesus encourages his disciples to be like the, the widow who persistently went to a judge to get justice for her advers- from her adversary. He encourages you to turn uh, to him in his presence and cry out to him day after day, and uh, give him the request that you have during trials and pray to him. And he wants to hear your prayers, and he wants to give you answers, um, and uh, he wants to sustain you to keep pressing on. So rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and continue steadfastly in prayer. Uh, verse 13 talks about um, our relationship with others, again, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. As you grow in your walk with the Lord, I think everybody can attest to this, that you realize more and more each day that He is, uh, I think you you realize how good He is to you and how much He's blessed you with. And so your view turns to an outpouring of love uh, for others and giving to them out of the abundance of what God's given you. Uh, When you see a need, you should uh, desire to uh, fulfill that need and share with others. And it's sacrificing a portion of what God's given you to share with uh, the needy, with the less fortunate, with the church to help share the gospel. Hebrews 13, 16 just reminds us do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. And it could be um, as simple as opening up your home to be hospitable to others, to show brotherly love, give a a nice warm meal to somebody, um, showing love to strangers, helping them in any kind of way you can. Jesus talks about um, a sense of hospitality. Um, He says, when I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. We should be distributing to the needs of the saints, and we should be given to hospitality. We come to uh, another layer in this uh, in this illustration, where the first one was your personal life as a believer, and then the second one was how you interact with others, and now we're coming to, uh, with other believers, this third layer is really how you can interact with anybody. Um, it's a pretty broad circle that in- can include most people. Um, it, it covers people who persecute you. Um, it covers people who are happy, it covers people who are sad, it covers people who might be in a different uh, position than you. Um, early in this chapter, we were instructed to not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I'd say it's, it's, um, it's only possible to do those kind of things when you're surrendering your life uh, to the Holy Spirit's influence to help you uh, behave that way. But especially these next um, eight verses or so, it's something that you really need um, the Lord's help to, um, to behave differently because it's not natural to act this way. When people, when people don't show you love and people don't show you respect, it's not your natural instinct to be nice to them. It's not your instinct to love them it's not your instinct to, um, to bless them. We live in a world where people curse each other out on a daily basis. People hate each other. They cheat each other. They lie to each other. They put each other down, and they're proud, and they're arrogant. Um, they start arguments with people that they don't agree with. They settle the score. They keep track of wrongs. Um, we live in a world where people only show love if it's given back to them. And we need to be different. And why do we need to be different? It's because the Lord asks us to be different because he wants us to be holy and set apart from the world so that we can be a shining light to unbelievers and have a good testimony and share the gospel in that kind of way. And I believe that if you actually live this out, you would have an amazing testimony. Um, I think of just... An example at work, um, in general, the, the general attitude is gossiping about everybody. The second you leave their room, they're talking bad about you. The second um, they hear anything about you, they, they find some way to nitpick you and tear you down. But if there's any kind of light in that environment, um, it definitely stands out. People notice things um, because, well, why aren't you gossiping back? Why aren't you... Uh, talking bad about the manager. Why aren't you acting that way? Um, our uh, our passage continues in verse fourteen, and it's the beginning of a very hard section to live out. It says, "Bless those who persecute you, bless, and do not curse." Jesus expands his um, he expands on this a little bit more in, uh, in Luke chapter 6. Um, he says, "'But I say to you who hear, "'Love your enemies. "'Do good to those who hate you. "'Bless those who curse you, "'and pray for those who spitefully use you. "'To him who strikes you on the one cheek, "'offer the other also. "'And from him who takes away your cloak, "'do not withhold your tunic either.'" Give to everyone who asks of you, and from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For every for even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same, and if you lend to those who uh, from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners as much and receive as much back. But love your enemies. Do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the unfaithful, uh, unthankful and evil. Therefore be merciful, just as your Father is also merciful. And I think uh, a strong illustration of, uh, our example is is Stephen when he was martyred um, in the early church he was he was preaching the gospel and people didn't like it they they took up stones and they they killed him and as he was in his final moments, the thing he said was don't charge them with this sin Lord. He was wishing the best for them he was wishing that they wouldn't have to stand before God and be accountable for that sin. He was wishing that God would forgive them. Um, He was blessing them when they didn't deserve it. When they were trying to kill him, he was showing mercy and love to them. Jesus tells us to bless those who persecute us. He doesn't say just ignore them and pretend they don't exist. But he says we should bless them. And uh, it means that you should wish to that God would pour out his mercy, that God would pour out his love and kindness and goodness on them, even though they don't deserve it. Blessing others is one of the most uh, powerful actions that you can take in the world. And if you, when you're treated unfairly and when you are uh, being cursed by somebody, and if you respond with blessing them and wishing that the Lord would bless them, changes attitudes, it changes minds, it changes behaviors in a heartbeat. It can open hearts and soften uh, them and heal wounds and bring together people in peace. And ultimately, hopefully it brings people to recognize the power of the gospel and uh, causes people to turn to the Lord. Uh, Verse 15 continues. It says, uh, Rejoice. With those who rejoice, and weep with those who weep. Um, I think we could all. Um, I think most of you have probably heard that Joanna's in the hospital, and you know she's she's suffering with uh, an infection, and it hurts to know that somebody that you love is hurting, doesn't it? It hurts to know that she's not having a good day. She's um, she's sick. She's in pain. Um, she's not 100% herself. Um, 1 Corinthians 12, 26 says that if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if, um, if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Um, the tendency, naturally, is to... Um, when other people are in pain, when other people are hurting, is it's easier if I just ignore it. It's easier if I just walk away and don't let their problems become my problem. But we're called to be different, and it says that we should weep with those who weep. Um, and on the other flip side of it, rejoice with those who rejoice. When people get that promotion, when people get honored, we shouldn't be jealous of them, but we should be happy for them. We should... Celebrate in their party and honor them. Uh, verse 16, it continues and it says, Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. In the couple verses from uh, the passage in Matthew, um, or in Luke, where he was talking about... Um, Blessing those who uh, curse you and loving your neighbor and um, and whatnot. We, we covered a little bit about this verse, but we should essentially want to treat other people um, the way that you would like to be treated. We're all equal in God's eyes. Nobody's better than anybody. We all come from different socioeconomic classes or backgrounds or families, but everybody is still equal. Um, So, because everybody's on the same level in God's eyes, we shouldn't treat anybody differently. We should treat each other in humility and really treat each other as better than ourselves. Um, And we should reach out to uh, everyone, no matter what uh, background they come from. Philippians 2 2 through 4 says, fulfill my joy uh, by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, uh, let us esteem each uh, other better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. We are, uh, as Christians, we're called to imitate Christ's humility, and we shouldn't have any kind of prideful attitude that we are better than other people, but we should be humble and put others' needs before our own. Um, The final layer or circle in this illustration I could see is that it expands in verses 17 through 21, and it talks about personal enemies that you might have. Um, so we talked about the personal believer and how you should live, the things that you should believe, how you should behave with other Christians, how you should behave with other people in the world, no matter how they treat you. Um, and then now there's people who specifically hate you and want the worst for you. Um, there's people in this category that actively work against you and everything that you believe in, and they want nothing more than to physically hurt you or emotionally uh, ruin you, and they give you evil, and in these verses, we're told how to respond to them, and it's as simple as, don't return evil for evil, live at peace with others, let the Lord take care of any injustices, overcome their evil with the goodness that comes from God. Verse 17 says, repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. We should, um, it says, yeah, don't give evil back for evil. But something we could do, um, and it's it's hard to do because it's an unexpected thing. You don't go throughout your day anticipating evil to happen to you necessarily. But what you should do is prepare your mind Plan in advance to give out good, to return good when evil comes to you unexpectedly. Set set ahead in your mind that this is how I'm going to respond when I encounter this situation, if it comes up. And have a game plan how you're going to treat somebody with goodness. Um, And if you don't have a planned reaction in your mind, you're going to have a knee-jerk reaction of cursing them back you're going to respond evil for evil. Um, when you, because that's just how naturally you would want to uh, respond. If somebody cuts you off in, in traffic, the first reaction you might think is, wow, that person's, you know, this word, this word, this word, that I don't like. <laughs> um, how rude of them. And I mean, they, they probably were rude to you by cutting you off. And, but maybe, you know, um, you could respond, plan to respond to something like that in advance. Wow, maybe they're having a bad day, but I really wish the best for them. And although I'm not happy with what they did, but I wish the best, I wish they, um, you know, that they find the Lord. I wish they, they love the Lord. I wish God blesses them. I wish um, great things for them. And you could pray for them instead of cursing them. Um, Matthew 5 says you've heard that it was said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth but I tell you not to resist an evil person whoever slaps you on your right cheek turn the other to him also Um, when you get paid evil for uh, when you get evil for nothing uh, that you did wrong it it hurts Uh, it's not fun but the the different way to respond, the one that sets you apart from the world, is responding with blessing, which is responding with good things for evil, um, even though they don't deserve it. Um, verse 18 says, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Um, I had a uh, I think we all know somebody in our lives that we could apply this verse to. Um, people that you don't get along with necessarily. It seems anytime you interact with them, there's tension, there's conflict. Um, I can think of uh, a specific person, that uh, they don't go here, so <laughs> none of you. Um, <laughs> uh, I can think of a specific person that every time I see them it's almost like a whirlwind of chaos and arguments come out of their mouth. Uh, And they're looking for a fight. They're looking to be angry with anybody that's willing to talk to them or not talk to them, for that matter. Um, I was in the middle of helping this person. um, And I don't... If I think I remember correctly, they didn't ask me for help, but I saw that they needed help. And I went to them to help them. And in the middle of me helping them, uh, they started complaining about how I wasn't going above and beyond to help them even more than I was. And how I wasn't doing it the way I want they wanted it to be done. I wasn't doing it the right way, even though, I don't know how you could do it wrong. But, um, instead of snapping back with um, a knee-jerk reaction, I just listened to them. I just heard them out and responded with, um, kindness and I responded with peace. And I tried to diffuse the situation as much as I could, but it's the kind of person that no matter what you say to them, they're not going to hear you. They're going to talk louder and louder and louder until they can win the argument and feel like, you know, that solved it. But anything I said to them was only going to add fuel to the fire um, for their uncalled for anger. So as much as depended on me, I tried to be at peace with this person uh, and do all I could to not cause conflict. Uh, but that's why I think it has that parenthesis. You can try to live at peace with people, but not, not everybody's going to receive peace. Um, so as much as you can on your end, try to bring peace to any kind of relationship. Uh, don't. Choose conflict. Be a peacemaker. Um, verse 19, it says, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Uh, an interesting character from the Old Testament comes to mind, Samson, Um I think he fits in well with this verse. The Lord wanted to use Samson for great things um, to help deliver Israel from the Philistines. And he was uh, the Lord's chosen judge during this time. Um, And he didn't always choose the best way to live, he wasn't exactly what you would call a peacemaker. He went and actively sought how to avenge himself from situations. Um, And the Lord still used him in a mighty way, but he could have probably been used in a better way if he had responded um, in a peaceful way or how the Lord wanted him to. Um, He often took things into his own hands and got revenge. He had uh, very little mercy for his enemies, and he overcame evil with evil. During his wedding, he tells a riddle, and he loses his bet, so he goes off to a town 30 miles away, kills 30 people, takes all their clothing as the, the prize for uh, the other side winning the bet, um, but they're Philistines, so it's, you know, it's not the greatest situation, um, but since he was gone so long, the, the father of the bride gives her away to the best man, and he's, you know. Not the greatest situation at your own wedding. Um, so what Samson does, he loses his fiancée, he retaliates, he sets 300 foxes on fire, burns all their fields and all their crops, and the Philistines then kill the, the, the dad and the, the wife that he was supposed to marry, and um, then Samson says, since you would do uh, a thing like this, surely I will take revenge on you, and after that I will cease." And he kills a bunch of Philistines uh, right after that. And then he runs away, um, hides under a rock. A bunch of Israelites come to arrest him, bring him to the Philistines and, cause, and bring peace. Um, and he's, uh, they said, we're coming to arrest you. Uh, you know, they're not trying to get attacked. They're not trying to have a war on their hands. Just have Samson, he's the problem, not us. Uh, And he says, you know, they ask him, why did you do this? Why did you kill all these people? And he says, as they did to me, so I have done to them. And fast forward to the end of his life. The Philistines pluck out his eyes, and he's chained between two pillars at a huge party for the Philistines. Um, And in a last show of great strength uh, and vengeance, uh, he pushes the pillars apart and kills thousands of his enemies and himself, And the Lord still used him in a mighty way to deliver Israel from the Philistines, but probably not in the way God had hoped for. God probably had a different plan, um, but God still used Samson in this way to accomplish his means. But the point is that Samson lived his life making poor choices and chose to take matters into his own hands and kept his revenge until it killed everybody. And that's not the... Greatest example to live by. Um, we should be a peacemaker. We shouldn't choose conflict. Um, the Lord has pro- promised to provide justice for any evil done, and he will repay, not you. You shouldn't go out and avenge yourself. The Lord will take care of any injustices, any any sins. That's his job, that's his responsibility. He's going to get the final word, the final say and judgment, so it's not your job to go out and avenge yourself or hold on to wrath. He says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. So, well, practically speaking, what should we do? Do we just let people treat us poorly? Do we just let people hate us? Do we just let people do us wrong? In a way, you know, yes, It says, turn the other cheek, go the extra mile for the person who isn't worth going the extra mile for, really. Um, But in another sense, even though we should let people treat us poorly by, you know, not responding back with evil, we should take active steps to restore relationships by showing love that's um, undeserved. It says in the, the last two verses here, uh, some very practical things. In verse 20, it says, Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It's um, a very unexpected thing to respond the way uh, that uh, Paul is telling us to respond here. He's telling us to respond in love. He's telling us to do great unexpected acts of love to people that don't deserve it, to forgive people that hurt you, to be merciful to people who are not merciful to you. And there's a, a perfect example of how one Christian responded um, when he had the chance to speak to the woman who murdered his brother. Um, I think David might have showed this a couple months ago, but I think it's very applicable to this topic. There was um, in 2018 a 26-year-old uh, Botham Jean was murdered by an off-duty police officer. She walks into his apartment, thinks it's her own, thinks that he's the intruder. She murders him. Um, it was his apartment, um, he, uh, the brother that uh, was at the court he gets a chance to, to speak his mind. He gets a chance to talk to her and have a final word before she goes off to jail. And I just, as you, I'm going to play a, a short video, but I just want to have you think as you watch, how would I respond? What's my natural uh, instinct? To say, what well, if I if I had five minutes to say something to this this lady, um, what would you say? Uh, we'll just watch this real quick.
1: I don't want to. say twice or for the hundredth time what you've or how much you've taken from us. I think you know that, but I just, I hope you go to God with all what, all the guilt, all the, thing, the bad things you may have done in the past, each and every one of us may have done something that we're not supposed to do. If you truly are sorry, I know, I can speak for myself, I, I forgive you. And I know if you go to God and ask him, he will forgive you. And I don't think anyone could say it. Again, I'm speaking for myself, not even bad for my family, but I love you just like anyone else. And I'm not gonna say I hope you rot and die just like my brother did, but I I, I personally want the best for you. Can I give her a hug, please? Please? Yes.
0: Very, um, it's a very moving uh, story. This uh, this brother, he responded to evil with kindness, and he forgave her and showed her love that she didn't deserve. Um, that's how we need to live. Not responding how the rest of the world would, not um, returning evil for evil, but re- returning evil. Responding to evil with kindness. Responding to it with kind, uh, love and with a transformed mind. Uh, I'll just leave you with this encouragement. Romans 12, 1 and 2 tells us the foundation of how we should live a transformed life. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy holy, Acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Jesus lived this passage out perfectly in his life and as much as we can in our uh, with his help. Let's try to live this out. Let's try to um, love People in our relationships in this way, how he loved, including our enemies, including people that don't deserve it, so that you can become more like Christ and imitate his heart and his actions and have a great testimony. Let's pray. Lord, we uh, we thank you for this uh, very applicable passage. Uh, it's a tough passage to live out practically. Um, but we just pray that you would help us uh, on a daily basis to take this to heart, to, uh, to live a transformed life and have renewed minds that think differently than the world, uh, that want to show love to people no matter who they are or, or what they do or how they treat us. We just pray that you would help us to live differently uh, because of this. In your name we pray, Lord.
1: Amen.